Today on Season 2, Episode 63 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce and I break down the Week 3 matchup between your Green Bay Packers and the Denver Broncos. I question my fashion choices, Bryce gets a little superstitious, and we talk a whole lot of football. And now it's time for pregame three, Broncos on tap. This is Green Bay. Green Bay. Green Bay. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Packers! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for pregame three, the Broncos. The Packers sit 2-0 right now, and this is the pregame episode getting you all geared up for Sunday's game, Packers-Broncos. I'm your co-host today, Bryce Christensen, and alongside me, we have... Nebels. How you doing, Nebels? Good, how are you? Oh man, I can't complain. This is what I live for. Just talking Packers. I, I I wait for the whole week for this day. Um, I think about you constantly, oh, every thanks. single day, and now it's actually here. Um, <laughs> it's like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and the Packers are two and zero. The last time they started off two and zero was back in 2015, which was the same year that they faced the Broncos. And the Broncos, the Packers are coming off a bye week, undefeated, week seven, I believe. Week six, they're either five and zero, six and zero, and the Broncos had the blueprint. And after that, the Packers kind of derailed. After that, oh, yeah. that was after the NFC Championship game earlier that year in January against Seattle, and then the whole Tom Clements and uh, the play calling. So the last time we played the Broncos, I believe, was that year, right? Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, and, and then, like you said, that kind of started this whole offensive downfall, if you will. I just remember Von Miller just completely demolishing Aaron Rodgers and we were coming off a bye week mm-hmm. and I thought and I thought, what is going on? This should not be the case. That was also the season with the two Hail Marys. So uh we we started off the season, I believe five and oh six and oh. I just can't remember what week it is we had our bye and then we struggled. I think we lost the next three for uh or we lost to Denver Minnesota, Carolina, I believe. And then uh, we had the Hail Mary win against the Lions. And Rodgers infamously said, like, let's, let's, or you can edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's springboard from this. Uh, And he used uh, some colorful language before that. Sure. But he, uh, it's interesting to think that we started off that season losing the NFC Championship game. I'm sorry for bringing that up. And starting off the season, kind of red hot, Broncos find a way to essentially derail McCarthy and Rodgers, and uh, we go into the playoffs against the Cardinals, do another Hail Mary, and that's kind of all she wrote from there. Oh, yeah. Sad. Sad times. But come to think, I mean, it's kind of exciting to see from that to now, with the Packers being 2-0, and with it being a throwback week, how significant... Is this throwback? Packers are 2-0. and The last time they played the Broncos, we were a completely different team. New general manager, new head coach, new defensive coordinator. So give me your vibes right now with it being throwback week. 
I love the throwback week. Uh, it, it's neat seeing those old uniforms. I know a lot of people aren't really big fans of them. I don't know why. It's cool to see something different. You know, you know they're going to be wearing their blue and gold uniforms, which are a recreation of the uniforms they wore, I believe, in 1937 through 48 seasons. And they actually yielded two of the 13 world championships during that time. So, yeah, the... They're always fun. Throwback uniforms are always fun. Throwback week is cool. I looked to see if the Broncos had were going to wear anything special, but they're not. They're not. No, they're oh, not. Just a regular. That would be I cool. know. I like when the two teams actually both have their you know their their throwback uniforms. That's that's pretty darn cool. Especially the Broncos. I mean, it might be a little scarring to see their throwback after Super Bowl thirty two, but the more the more we're talking about it, there's a lot of history between the Broncos and Packers, and with it being throwback week. Uh, with our new website, I mean, we definitely are all about uh, the blue and gold, and uh, I, I, I would love for the Packers to, that for that to be their primary colors moving forward. But I don't want to go on that conversation. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. we lost a couple followers right after <laughs> that. Like, How di- dare you? <laughs> I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. I love the green and gold, but a splash of the blue and gold in there every once in a while is is pretty cool. It's a it's a treat. Um, halfway through that conversation or halfway through that statement, I just got this like <laughs> cold feel like the hair in the back of my neck stood up. And so I realized uh, I did not I did not check out my audience before making that comment. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. Uh, <laughs> speaking of jerseys, I got a I got a, a fashion question for you here. First two games, I have been wearing my throwback Nitschke jersey, the old number 66. And, of course, it's undefeated. But I also own a throwback blue and gold Adams jersey. Which do I go with this weekend? Do I stick with a hot hand or do I go with the flavor of the week during throwback week? The soothing, sexy sounds of Neebles. I like it. You're just a wordsmith. Ah, uh, that's tough. Um, I'm I'm rather superstitious myself. I I'm not actually a big fan of wearing jerseys on game day. I don't know where it started, but it, it was traumatic enough where I don't wear a jersey anymore. Oh, wow. uh, on Packers games day on game days, I need to go back and check out when specific, or maybe I should just let that rest and we move on. But I I I'm gonna wear the same shirt that I've worn the last two weeks. Obviously, I've or. Hopefully, you know that I've washed it since then. <laughs> oh, see, you I, can't you can't wash it. I, I I sweat profusely during games, so it'd be rather uh, rather cheesy if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, going into week three, and but I have just a Nike kind of one of those I don't know polyester breathe right T shirts. I don't even know what you would call them. Sure. Nike stretch fits or whatever, but they're the throwback with the blue and gold. Just a small logo. Uh, near the upper left breast, if you will. And um, I'm going to wear that again. So it kind of worked out where I've got the throwback week. Part of me, I know the whole superstition thing and you you don't fix what's broken, but I just, uh, part of me just thinks Devontae Adams, throwback jersey. It just seems fitting. The Packers last week, at least Matt LaFleur, he he let uh, his foot off the gas pedal a little bit with tempo-wise, especially with Devontae Adams. I would have just fed him the ball all game long. Oh, yeah, for sure. And now I, I feel with Adams and, and Chris Harris, uh, another great matchup, a lot of, lot of talk leading up to the game. I just feel like that's going to be a matchup that, I'm going to keep an eye on, and I got a feeling that Adams is good. I mean, he's one of the best wide receivers, if not the oh, yeah. best wide receiver in the NFL. So for me, I 
I don't know. Maybe I'm picking up a vibe that you already had your answer and you're kind of hoping that I was going to stick with the superstitious take. But I, I got to go with the, the blue and gold throwback and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm going to go with that. All right. Well, maybe I'll do a tale of two halves. Maybe I'll, I'll start it out with the niche see how they do the first half and switch it over at halftime and, and go from there. You know what this was an experience of? This is an experience that reminded me of when my wife goes, um, "Hey, what do you what do you want to watch, or what do you where do you want to go to eat?" And I'll mention something, and she'll be like, "It's kind of thinking Asian." Like, well, well, then why didn't you just say that to begin with? I have that same conversation. <laughs> I know all about it. <laughs> so for me to parallel it, I feel like you already knew that you were going to go with the Nitschke. And you just made me waste two minutes and making me bring back this traumatic game that I have no idea what I'm talking about with this jersey that I no longer wear. So I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> any other su- any other superstitions you have, or is it just are you, you know, how how superstitious are you? We might have to do a podcast episode on the superstitions oh, of Bryce cool. Christensen <laughs> when it comes to the unknown, or not even the unknown Packers. I mean, I do a ritual before every recording, but uh, game day, yeah, I. It gets kind of lonely, to be quite honest, during game day. I kind of like it that way. I just, I have a hard time watching games with other people if it's not at Lambeau. I try to stay in the moment, but there are just comments. It's almost like where Twitter becomes a live session in your in your living right, room right. or in a bar. And the beautiful thing about Twitter is that I don't have to log on every once in a while, and I can just ignore that. Yep. But if you got all these people in your house, and they're telling people, Bring back Favre, blitz, 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 and it's like, oh my god! Uh, one, one thing I do during the games that drives my <laughs> wife absolutely nuts is I'm, you know, I'll yell a little bit, but I'm a, I'm a big clapper when they, when they do something well. I'll, I'll clap, and she's like, you know, they can't hear you, right? It's like I don't care. It's for me, not them. <laughs> my dog becomes possessed during games because he just thinks that like I've turned into this angry person and I don't like yell and swear at the TV but I definitely mutter to myself and I pace back and forth yep. um I'll stand in different positions so if I'll share this and maybe every week we'll talk about another layer of the superstitions of what we do during Packer games but one for sure is if the Packers have a scoring drive or things are clicking wherever I was I I go I, I stay <laughs> I don't move and sometimes I have to go to the bathroom. Sometimes oh, I'm man. thirsty, hungry, and I'll sit there and kind of wait. And sure enough, sometimes I've broken that and been like, you know what? I'm just being superstitious. And something bad happens where I'm just like, yeah. Ah. And for some reason, I know that I don't wield the sword of the universe and my energy doesn't dictate. It's not It's not the butterfly effect where I cough and Aaron Rodgers feels it and it just moves the ball a little slightly to the left after he throws it. But sometimes I like to think that I have some sort of cataclysmic <laughs> shift when it comes to the Green Bay Don't Packers. Don't we all? And in the interest of the listeners here, I'm going to go ahead and make some notes and we can cover more stuff like that in future shows. But uh, let's get down to business. Let's get down to business. What do you want to talk about first? I know I highlighted Chris Harris and Devontae Adams. Let's, I, I, let's continue. Let's talk about them a little bit more. I have a couple notes here in regards to Chris Harris. As I was researching the show a little bit, kind of... Looking forward to the matchup. I learned that Chris Harris has moved from the slot to the perimeter cornerback position for this season. You know, he's a traditional uh, slot. Uh, man, I can't talk this morning. <laughs> slot cornerback. 
and about 80% of his snaps so far this season come from the left corner. So one thing I did find very interesting is a lot of the fantasy experts are expecting Harris to shut down Adams this weekend on the perimeter, and I have no idea why. I mean, looking at Chris Harris's numbers, and I'll go over those in a minute, and Adams' numbers, that just doesn't make much sense to me. And they did say that Chris Harris is the number one cornerback as as a fantasy value for what he has done to receivers this year, which, again, be interesting. Um, Adams does, you know, he tends to line up in the slot. I guess he plays about a third of his snaps from the slot, so that'll be one chance to get away from Harris. It'll be interesting to see if Fangio will keep Harris on you know, moving back to the slot so he shadows Adams or if he'll just stick, you know, stick put with the perimeter. Harris, he has not been targeted a whole lot this season. Uh, he's only been targeted seven times over the two the two games, which is uh, it's a real, very small number. However, when he has been targeted, he's allowed five catches and um, yielded a 9.3 yard per catch average um, and only one breakup. So it's like people are staying away from him, but when they go at him, you know, it, it's a, it's it's effective. So I'm not sure exactly where this whole top fantasy value, stay away from Harris, you know, he's going to shut down Adams. I don't know where that's all coming from. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I For me, I when I look at Devontae Adams, and it's interesting, Madison.com had an article where they're talking about Devontae Adams with extra attention means extra respect. And the thing that makes me in awe of Devontae Adams, and it makes me embarrassed that I wasn't a big fan of Devontae Adams. I thought that the Packers uh, spent a high draft pick on Devontae Adams. And even though he had a prolific career uh, with Fresno State and uh, Carr throwing him the ball, I, the uh, the first or the second car, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I, for me, I just, I don't know. I, I just never got on uh, the Devontae Adams train. And when people started talking about cutting him, me being rather ignorant at that time and not knowing a lot. I mean, I was a Packers fan, but nothing like what we're doing now. We're week in, week out. We're, you know, we're recording episodes and we're making sure that we dot our I's and cross our T's. It's amazing to see how dominant Devontae Adams is. And now him saying that I want the ball. And so for me, I don't think that Rodgers is scared at all going Chris Harris's way. I think Devontae Adams can completely just shred Anyone. I I, I truly believe that. I don't think it's one of those things where you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. And I'm, I'm, I've always, and within last year and this year, talking about Devonta Adams being quite arguably the top wide receiver in the NFL. I'll put him up there with DeAndre Hopkins Mm -hmm. and Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the only two wide receivers right now that I think might have just a little bit of an upper edge, but I take any one of those three, And last week, I think, was the performance that you saw where Devontae Adams completely could just dismantle a top-tier cornerback and a great defensive-minded guru and Zimmer. So I'm all on board. I think it's the matchup of the week, to be quite honest. Um, But I I think the sky's the limit. And we talked about it in the summer. Can Devontae Adams recreate last year's statistics? For sure. Can he do 1,600 yards? Can he go over 100 receptions? Can he have 15 touchdowns? I think he will. I think he will. I think he's just getting started. And look, and I don't want to just harp on or belittle all the other positions, but truly, outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, do we have a weapon 
or do we have someone that we could rely on? I know it's early, but I think that's another storyline that may be beginning overplayed a little bit. Like, who's sure. wide receiver two? We talked about it in our post-game episode. But what are your thoughts on that? Like, is it to the point now where Devontae Adams has to be great in every week in order for the offense to keep rolling? I don't think he has to be great. I think he's going to continue to be great. I think that uh, Rodgers is going con- to continue to feed him the ball. But I, I have that uh, spidey sense going with uh, MVS. I think he's he's due for a breakout here. I think he is going to move into and really embrace that that receiver number two position. Like I had said before, I, I thought the offense was going to start out slow this season. And so far, I have been correct. Right. But you know, like, like you said, I think Tay's going to get a lot of catches, you know, he's going to be the the stalwart, the primary weapon in the offense. But MVS is going to come from behind and and move into a solid number two position. It's going to be this type of thing where who are you going to cover? You know, you can account for Tay, but can you account for MVS? And if you account for both, you know, can you account for maybe they'll throw Gmo in there? Maybe he'll he'll kind of wake up. It's I like our receiving core. I know a lot of people aren't big fans. You know, they're all. They're all young. They, you know, can't do this, can't do that. But I think that they have a very good chance to be a very, very solid core going forward. I think what's interesting, too, is that it's almost a new core with the Packers trading Trevor Davis for a six-round pick to Mm -hmm. the Oakland Raiders, uh, with with Jimmy Graham being out and them promoting uh, Evan Bayless, tight end from uh, the practice squad. So I think I think Graham being out is uh, is a blessing in disguise. Um, I read something that said that, you know, now that Graham is out, the offense may work a little bit different because they don't have to, to focus on him being in there. They don't have to, you know, figure out well, what's Graham going to do. Do we need to get the ball to Graham? He's out of the picture and it, it could be good for the offense. Huh. So are they, it, the vibe I got is essentially is that they're only putting Graham in there because of that contract to see if like maybe he can, can produce and, He's not fit. Obviously, he's not fitting Matt Lafleur's oh, vision no. of a blocking tight end. His so blocking is absolutely abysmal. But that's the thing that, like, I don't. That's almost like what, and what Thompson did, where he drafted players, converted them to positions that they weren't familiar with. That that's where I look at Jimmy Graham. Where he's not a blocker. So how do we, how do we use him in ways t- to fit his skill set? But he's got that thumb injury as well, right. and now a groin. And I mean. We were all talking about was it worth th- them bringing him back sure. for another year? And so I, I, I like what you're saying. It just makes me wonder. Lafleur's like, okay, okay, Jimmy, you're here, but you need to figure out these key elements of that tight end position if you want to be on. Or, but then he is on the field, so right. it just it's confusing. And I and think they were you know kind of hoping to use him more as an extra receiver, if you will, because he doesn't block. He's got the good size. He's got the good hands, but face it he's getting older he he's he's slowed down quite a bit I think how we saw him used in the Bears game as just a red zone 50-50 ball jump ball threat I mean I think that would be his bread and butter I think that would be where he is his best suited to be honest you know don't play him down uh, on the on the long side of the field wait till we get in the red zone bring him in fresh and throw some more jump balls at him I like that so then are you thinking that Evan Bayless has an opportunity to do anything like a red zone threat I I don't know how much Evan Bayless is actually going to do. I'm looking for things to kind of go more towards Tanya's side, especially for going down the field. But we'll see. I mean, Bayless, he is a he's a big boy. He's what six five, two fifty. Yeah, had a good preseason too. Yeah, I don't know how his hops are, but uh, 
Yeah, well, we'll have to see how he's utilized if he gets any snaps this game. He had a nice red zone uh, touchdown in the last preseason game against the Chiefs that I recall. And so I, I'm, I mean, being promoted and then expecting something this Sunday, I obviously is wishful thinking uh, on my part. And your your comments about MVS, it's year two, and I think that sometimes as fans we get excited and we we might be doing the same thing that we did with Devonte Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that I will mention is that MVS is a fifth rounder and Devontae Adams is a second rounder. Sure. So I've been seeing this Jordy Nelson and MVS comparison. And maybe I'm wrong in thinking that it we shouldn't look at the draft capital and we should just look at the overall possibility of production and, and explosive type plays sure. that they could give to the Packers. But I saw an article about Nelson being patient with him and how we should be patient with MVS. But I do believe that you need another weapon outside of Adams and Jones. But they're both... Adams is so good that I just feel like no matter what, you can bring as many bodies to try to stop him. You're only going to hope to contain him. Sure. He's still going to get yards. It's kind of like back in the the Sterling Sharp days. And that's 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 all you needed. That's yeah. really all you needed. And, and if, I remember... Go yeah. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, nope, nope. I was going to say, and Tay, I know you're <laughs> listening. I never wanted you cut, baby. I was on board with you from day one. <laughs> well, and that's why you're co-founder now of the Unknown Packers Productions. We're going to take a quick commercial break with pregame three, the Broncos. Enjoy this commercial break. Go Pack Go. You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. If you like what you are hearing and would like to help us grow, take a minute to rate us on iTunes. The more ratings we get, the more visible we will be to Packer fans like you. Again, thank you so much for listening. This show wouldn't happen without your support. Now, let's get back to the second half. Go, Pack, go! Go, Pack, go! Go, Pack, go! And welcome back to the second half of pregame three, the Broncos. And we ended the first half talking about tight end Evan Bayless being promoted with Jimmy Graham out. Nebels, tell me a little bit about Evan Bayless a little bit. Get get fans acquainted with him. He had a nice preseason and uh, didn't make the 53, but we were able to get him on the practice squad. All right. Um, I don't have a ton on him, but uh, he played his college ball at Oregon kind of floated around the league ever since. I mean, ever since he he came in the league in 2017. He was picked up by the Texans as an undrafted free agent. Like I mentioned, he's floated around a bit since then. He's been with the Colts and the Panthers. He only played one game in 2017 for the Texans and absolutely nothing on the stat line for him. So he has yet to record his first NFL real game action catch. One thing that I thought was kind of interesting and we've seen with the last two pickups by Goody now, well, not that this guy's a pickup, he's a practice squad guy, is he has a low RAS score, which is very surprising. He he managed a a blazing 3.87 RAS score. So when you look at, uh, you know, Goody's, how he's been picking up people traditionally, that that Mm -hmm. bucks the tradition. That's low. So, right. Yeah, we'll see how he does. We'll see how he does. He can't do any worse than uh, than Jimmy. No, and it's interesting because you were all about Jimmy week one, mm-hmm. and now uh, the the tides have turned. The ta- or the tables the t- have turned. <laughs> 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 uh, a little mashup of famous quotations. Yeah, I think he 
he promotes or he just establishes a little bit more depth. I know we talked about are we going to see much of him? And I do recall him scoring a touchdown in the preseason. Just wanted to highlight a little bit about him. I think Mercedes Lewis, Tanyan will probably get more of the bulk of that. Yeah, and then Danny Vitale as fullback. He's yet to really... We haven't um, seen old meatball marinara, yeah, have we? Not yet, not yet. But I think maybe this is the time, hopefully. And so when we're when we're focusing on the Broncos, actually game day, one thing that comes to mind is where our, our guard play with Lane Taylor and Elton Jenkins. Jenkins was a beast last week. He brings an added oomph and energy to a to a guard position that typically kind of lacks that. He makes that position sexy. And for me, I, I'm curious what you think right now. I've I've seen conflicting reports on what they'll do going forward. I know Lane Taylor was listed on the injury report, so it might seem like Elton Jenkins will get fair share of most of that at left guard. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. One of Denver's plans is to attack the guards. Um, they know that's the quote-unquote weakness of the offensive line. So I, I'm looking for Taylor to be on a very short leash if he does start. I'm expecting either the start by Jenkins or an early exit for Taylor, especially with how they both performed last week and how Taylor showed up on the injury report. I, I think we could see Jenkins, Jenkins' time coming up pretty soon. Now, with Lane Taylor being hurt, do you know anything more about that? That's all I know is just that he's on the injury report and maybe it's just precautionary and they still think highly of Taylor, clearly. But as you see with Brian Gutekunst, he's slowly, maybe not even slowly anymore, he is rapidly changing over this roster, making it his. Alton Jenkins is his guy. Like I said, I haven't seen this meanness in uh, an offensive lineman, especially after that touchdown by Aaron Jones, just seeing Elton Jenkins first to congratulate him, throwing a fist in the air, getting all fired up. That's something that I haven't seen. Definitely. So I'd like to see more of Jenkins. Who will he be then facing? I know the uh, I know the Broncos with Vic Fangio, their head coach now in his first year. Uh, he wreaked havoc for the Bears as their defensive coordinator. So we're well familiar with him. Now, is there a little bit of, uh, will we see some familiarity with Vic Fangio that we've been accustomed to in years past with Chicago Bears or when we played the Bears? Obviously, he's got a defensive, a different defensive unit going out there in Denver, but Fangio is very familiar with Rodgers. Rodgers has some success over the years against Fangio, but I don't think he's a guy that you could ever overlook, mm -hmm. especially when you're talking about having to face Chubb and uh, Von Miller. Those two... That's nothing to joke about. Those two are some some primetime players. However, they have had a very slow start to the season. They have yet to uh, get a sack. Yeah, so they have yet to record a sack this season. So our, our, our O-line has their work cut out for them, definitely. One thing that I read that they are looking, looking for, looking to attack, is Rodgers' knack for holding on to the ball too long. That is one thing that they are, are counting on to, to get on the board as far as sacks are concerned. Three weeks in a row, we are talking about Aaron Rodgers holding on to the ball too long. I think this is going to be a recurring theme, theme, a recurring theme for the Unknown Packers podcast moving forward. A knack for holding on to the ball. Uh, extrapolate on that. I'd like to know more. What? Because I'm ready. This is th it's three weeks in now, and I'm ready to have a little mini talk about this. Oh boy, what do you want to talk about? I mean, for Pete's sakes, the guy needs a. Get up there, call a play, get the snap, and get the ball out. I mean, this, this right. milk in the clock, you know, down to, to one second, snapping it on the zeros, and then 
running around hanging on to it. And I'm actually tired of hearing receivers can't get open. Receivers can't get open. That's been the narrative for the last couple of years, and it kind of irks me. You go back, and like I said someone uh, someone was posting some screenshots uh, yep. uh, of Rogers, and you know he had MVS open by a good probably three to five yards on the right side of the field, and yet saying, "Oh, none of the receivers were open. That's why he he hung on to the ball and and got taken down." He needs to see the field better, and quite honestly, one knock on him that I've had for the last couple of years is a good quarterback is going to throw a receiver open, and I, I don't see him throwing receivers open all that often. So I, I, I refuse to put all all of that on the receiver's shoulders. And I, I I'm with you. I, I've gone back and looked at just how the wide receivers have created separation, and I would say that maybe in 2015, 2016, especially with Nelson going down, you definitely saw where there wasn't any sort of creativity uh, from the wide receivers. Sure. There wasn't any sort of separation. Again, I think this is a different team with with Matt LaFleur. They're still finding their footing when it comes to that offensive blueprint. I, I know that there are times where it's like, get rid of the ball. But for me, I I don't know. The sacks or, if you will, where he holds onto the ball where he could throw it away. Part of me, I, I, I've seen a little bit of both. I've seen where he has been able to throw it away, and I've seen where he holds on to the ball. The thing that kind of just gets under my skin is that I, I think that there's more to it. I think that again, I. But then last week, there the first, I don't know, first half. Here he is rolling, and he's got zip on the ball. It looks like Rogers of old, and I'm like, okay, maybe me talking about this collarbone injury affecting his quick twitch or quick release mm-hmm. is something that isn't even true. And then they kind of resorted back. So maybe it's just more of an influence on Matt LaFleur, sure. keeping that tempo, keeping them pushing, keeping Rogers accountable. Right. So it doesn't go back to that backyard football where he's pretty much sticking the dirt being like, you go deep, you go left, you go right. And I'm just going to heave it up right. there. And so now I think that there, I mean, he's got, he's got a manuscript on his, on his left arm now, mm-hmm. which is something that I've never seen. So, I think that for him being as cerebral as his as he is, I think maybe sometimes that that intelligence actually ends up hindering right, him and right. it doesn't work in his favor where he's he's thinking too much. And sometimes you just need to be organic and need to let it become natural. And I think maybe that's at least for me I think that how intelligent he is is sometimes where he is second guessing himself and holding on to the ball instead of attacking where their wide receiver is open. But I just wanted to highlight right, that right, and and maybe bit. his injury his history is kind of hindering him as well. I mean, I, I've read a few things about his footwork not looking right anymore. He's gotten worse against the the blitz. I mean, he used to be a guy that you blitz him, he's going to kill you. You blitz him, he's going to kill you. But again, I don't know if it's because of his leg injuries in the past or just gun shy overall, but his his footwork has seemed to regress. Maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe it's where, you know, Rogers concussions, collarbone injuries, leg injuries, those are traumatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, those aren't things, I mean, you get some PTSD with that where you come back and you're seeing linemen and quick linebackers coming after you. I think that you're just going to be a little bit more, I don't know, trying to protect yourself. And two, he's hanging out with Farvey. Yep. This yep. is Farvey. Farvey with his cross legs and his tiptoes and his dosy does. Oh, I'm yeah. all for oh, it. Yeah. I'm all for it. Let's get a little bit of Farvey and Rogers. I'm okay. But again, be careful what we wish for. If we start seeing Rogers really take on the gunslinger, oh, yeah. 
maybe we'd be going back to talking about how he holds on to the ball. But when you're looking at Rodgers and you're looking at the offensive line, you're talking about the guard position. I do want to highlight someone that I think that there's been kind of just a a mistaken identity and a wrong narrative, and that's Brian Balaga. And Brian oh, Balaga yeah. this week hit <laughs> for Iowa. Iowa. And <laughs> Iowa. Brian Balaga, Iowa. I love that. And this week, a bunch of articles on Brian Balaga, and I know the, the narrative is, oh, he can't stay healthy, and now that he's healthy. and But you had mentioned something when we were talking about our, 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 our pregame planning that I thought was interesting, the building block. What is that building block that Brian Balaga had where you're starting to see in this year really take off? Yeah, the building block, an uh, interesting stat I found, is in the last three games of last season, he allowed zero pressures. So... Say what you will about him. He ended the year on a very, very, very solid note. And I think that he has started this year on that same note. And it's, again, I this mistaken identity where Brian Balaga can't stay healthy. True, he had two torn ACL injuries in 2013 and 2017. However, in the, over the past decade, the, our 30-year-old tackle has started 97 of the 101 regular season games he's played since the Packers drafted him in the first round in 2010. At 21, he was the youngest player to ever start a Super Bowl and one of four players in the locker room who remain from that Packers Super Bowl championship team. And so now you're seeing Brian Balaga, where Corey Lindsley even mentioned it, where he thought, why isn't this guy getting more praise? And that's kind of my thing. I like the fact, it's almost an unknown Packers-ish, where we know what we're doing. Brian Balaga knows what he's doing week in, week out. He just, he shows up to work, he excels. And people still dog mm-hmm. him. But I think for the past decade, the narrative has been he can't stay healthy. He can stay healthy. Yeah. He's played through injuries outside of two gruesome ACL injuries. So Brian Balaga, I think, with what we don't know, with, it's interesting. Brian Balaga is now an anchor, a guy that we are all on board with. And now a guy on the opposite side of the line with David Bakhtiari with this lingering back injury. And the first two weeks where it doesn't seem very Bakhtiari-esque, if you will. So what's your take, too, where you talk about the guard play, but what about Bakhtiari? Is this something that we need to be concerned about? I don't think it's anything that we need to be be concerned about right now. I mean, he is still the best left tackle in the game. Maybe this back injury that he has been working through, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe he's a little bit nicked up. I mean, I can only imagine having a bad back trying to go up against those, those defenders week in and week out. I mean, crikey, I'm a few years older than he is, and I can hardly get out of bed sometimes in the morning from mowing the lawn the night before. It's so I, I can only imagine what a little bit little soreness does to him. But long term, I don't think there's anything to worry about. I mean, the offense as a whole has started out slow, and I think he'll he'll fall into a groove here sooner than later. With Brian Balaga and David Bakhtiari week in, week out so far, Bears and Vikings both have top-tier defenses. With the Broncos and Fangio, you talk about how they haven't recorded a sack. Now, what's this offensive blueprint? We talked about week six, week seven is when we're really going to see this offense click. Well, we saw this offense click in the first half. Can we expect kind of the same going into Sunday against the Broncos? I would hope we start we start out the same and continue on rather than just, just falling off. I've said it last three weeks, but I believe this offense starts with relies and relies on the running game to be effective. You got to get Jones going. You got to keep him going, and that'll open up the world for Rodgers. Now, one thing I, I thought was interesting is Lafleur has been talking about not only achieving balance with the play calls, 
But now he's broken it down a bit further and talking about he wants to achieve balance with carries between Jones and Jamal. Yep. So right. I think that could be that could be interesting. Kind of give a little break to Aaron Jones. He has had a little bit of an injury history. Keep him fresh. But at the same mm-hmm. time, with how he played last week, do you want to ride him or do you want to sit him to get cold? I kind of erred more towards the side of you keep riding him until he needs a break. I am too. This this is the game. This is the game. And so this whole tiptoe walk on eggshells, like at least for me, like if the narrative is we need to conserve him because we don't want him hurt and we want him fresh at the end of the season, we're not guaranteed that. Right. And so we could be in a situation where we don't even have a, a chance to make a deep run in January. So for me, I'm all about the moment right now. If it's working... I think that's great. And so for me, Jones carved up a Vikings defense where he was a guy that a lot of fantasy football pundits were saying, you do not start. And here's a guy that completely, I felt, propelled this offense. And now I'd like to see where Rodgers can kind of glean off of Jones' success a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like you said, instead of running down the uh, play clock down to two or one seconds, that up-tempo where keep that defense guessing. And so with the Broncos yet to record a sack, Fangio in his first year as an NFL head coach, the big talk is, will this be a trap game? Mm. And I like mm. and I like when John Kuhn, uh, media guy John Kuhn for the Packers now, talking to Aaron Rodgers and asking Aaron Rodgers, hey, uh, do you think this will be a trap game? Aaron Rodgers' reply was, look at you. Look at you growing up, all big boy. We, we, we used to talk about this at the locker room. You and I talking about how the media is all about the trap game. And now look at you, all growing up now, talking about the trap game. I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm really proud of you. And so I just, I love that. And Coon and Rogers are really close. Sure. But let's either let's extrapolate on this trap game or let's squash this trap game. For me, week in and week out, I think LaFleur gets his guys ready as well as Patton. I don't think they overlook anyone. I do know that LaFleur mentioned that in the back of his mind, they are cautious about next week, Thursday, against the Philadelphia Eagles. So Mm -hmm. they have a short week where they play the Broncos on Sunday, and then they play the Eagles on that Thursday. So not looking ahead, but also keeping in mind of maybe they do keep Aaron Jones a little bit fresher so he can be a little bit more rejuvenated and ready to go against Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And I don't like when teams, you know, look beyond their, their next appoint, uh, next opponent. I think that's more of a, a media thing, a more of a us thing. However, I have noticed in the past, last couple of years, that, uh, the Packers seem to play down to their opponents. Um, if they play a quote unquote lesser opponent, they've played like it, which is kind of bizarre. But I think this, with this whole new re- regime, I think that's gone out the window. LaFleur, Petten, they just seem like two guys that gets this squad overly prepared. You know, they get them ready. They, they, I don't see any problems going forward. I don't think so. And I'm glad you mentioned just this whole new regime too, especially you're, you're seeing the influence of Brian Gutekunst, mm-hmm. this, this savvy swagger of, of Goody that they call him. And LaFleur has the same thing. And now you're seeing these free agent acquisitions. You're seeing these draft picks from last year and this year provide a different aura about the Green Bay Packers, one of them being Zadarius Smith and, Pre- and the other being Preston Smith. I mentioned Zadarius Smith being to Gutekunst what White was to Wolf and what Woodson was to Thompson. And this was a bold take back in the end of July, beginning of August. And this week I saw a bunch of people, highly respected people that cover the Green Bay Packers, talk about how Zadarius Smith is, is going to be that 
what White and Wolf were to Thompson, White and Woodson were for Thompson and Wolf, um, awesome. respectively. And so I look at Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. There's just a different swagger. Yeah. And and I don't think he's got Hall of Fame written all over him, but he's got that leadership quality exactly. that you were looking for. That White brought, that Woodson brought, that's what this team needs. Yes, we've been lacking in that department for several seasons now. So the whole tempo thing, the whole trap game, again, I maybe it was divisional games against the Bears and the Vikings, and so they're they're amped up, but this is just a different team, and we still aren't playing our best football. Any there there was a there might be some changes to our special teams, especially with Trevor Davis being traded. And then also our new acquisition, Tremont Smith. Can you tell me a little bit more about him? I know we did a quick segue into him, but I wanted to touch base on him. Yeah, Tremont Smith. He comes out of Central Arkansas. He was a sixth-round pick in 2018 by the Chiefs. I believe he was 196th overall. For the Chiefs, he he appeared in 14 games, had one start. He was drafted and played as a cornerback for the Chiefs. They briefly converted him to running back and then back to cornerback again. This season, he appeared in one game for the Chiefs before being released. And then, obviously, we had picked him up. He is, or I think the Packers picked him up because of his return, his return game abilities. He is a dynamic return man. Last year, he returned 33 kicks for a total of 886 yards with a 26.8 average. That's pretty darn good. He had a career-long 97-yard return at New England in Week 6 last year, and his uh, 26.8-yard average per kickoff return has him ranked number 4 in the NFL in, in 2018. So, That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, so we got rid of Davis, who was supposed to be our dynamic Davis, our, our special teams <laughs> guru, and replaced him with Smith. Uh, the dynamic, dynamic Davis, Davis. I, I was a fan, but again, if you're going to get something for him and they're clearly high on Darius Shepard and I I thought that maybe Lafleur and could could create some magic with Davis. Clearly, again, it's the Brian Gutekunst show yep. and he is, he is overturning this roster to make it his. The biggest thing for me, the big takeaway is how did we pick this guy up if he is such a dynamic returner? And that's the thing that I'm, I'm wondering. What's this? What is... What's the reason he was available? Or maybe is it's just Gutekunst where he is just leaving no st- stone unturned and he's just quicker to the punch than most others. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why he's available. I'd, I'd be curious to see where we are on the waiver wire and if anybody else put claims in on him and we just snuck in there and, and sniped him and got him. But he seems kind of like he's a he's a one trick pony. Maybe other teams are you know satisfied where they are with a with their their return yep. game, and they'd call. rather take a roster spot on someone that's going to be able to play another position. That's a great call. It, it, it's just it, it's hard for me to say. Hey, let's just let's I don't want to say waste, but we're going to use a roster position on a guy right. who can only return kicks. And it just and worked that, out for the Packers, right? So it just it just worked out that way. I like how that. long he'll be on the team for. Who knows? I mean, it could be a couple of games and gone. But yep. I, I think right now, especially with the injury to Shepard, we're we're struggling to find that return game. Davis did make some kind of boneheaded plays, not using not using the noggin. So, and honestly, I don't think he was going to be back next year. Mm-hmm. Which, from what I've been hearing, it's kind of a surprise to me. I thought he showed enough this preseason training camp. You know, to earn himself a spot on the team and contribute as a receiver. But Goody and company, they they see more of him day in and day out than any of us do. Right. So they are the most qualified to make that decision. I'm not going to question it. 
And with the free agent acquisitions, I think it's good to be cautious too, because we were all excited when we acquired Corey Grant in the summer and thinking Mm. that he was going to spell Aaron Jones. And then we just cut him after about a week or two. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that because it could just be a placeholder for when Darius Shepard gets healthy and just he might not be ready to go. And so then you have Smith there. And then once he is, maybe they do release him or maybe Smith breaks out and we find a diamond in the rough that can contribute to special teams. I'm hoping so. As we wrap up pregame three, Broncos, biggest question is, can the Packers advance to 3-0, Nebels? I think they do. One thing that I want to cover is a little bit here is the Denver offense. Talked a bit about their defense, you know, a Fangio run unit, so they're, they're going to be good. Offense, not so much. Uh, <laughs> I'm showing them as being ranked 26th in the league on third down conversions, and that bodes well for our style of defense. We like holding teams to a lot of third and long situations, which is going to be the bread and butter for this game. Right. I'm thinking that uh, our secondary should be able to lock down their duo of receivers in Cortland, Sutton, and Emmanuel Sanders. They're no slouches, but I like our secondary in this matchup. That's going to leave a lot on the shoulders of Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay being their primary back. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I, I still think, you know, bottling him up is going to be an easier task than we had with uh, in the first game, you know, against Cohen and Montgomery and certainly against Delvin Cook. Over the first two games of the season, Lindsey has had 20, 24 carries for 79 yards and a 3.3 average. So that's that's pretty pedestrian. Mm-hmm. One thing that is often overlooked is Flacco. You hear people talking about, oh, Flacco's lousy, Flacco's bad, blah, blah, blah. We're playing Flacco. He has been surprisingly quietly solid this season. He's passed for 560 yards, two touchdowns, and only one pick for the first two games. So those aren't really numbers that you're gonna that you're gonna scoff at. He threw for more than half of those yards versus a very stingy Bears defense last week. So definitely something to look out for. He's a stiff, non-mobile quarterback. Okay, so the pass rush is going to be uber important. You know, I I expect P&Z Smith to have a big game, and I'm expecting uh, KC to eat. He's going to get up the middle, and I I think we should be able to handle them fine. The key to this game is going to be the secondary, make sure that we keep, Flacco in the pocket, keep the pressure on him, and and I think we'll be golden. I think the big takeaway for me these last couple weeks is that you can tell that Petten and the Packers' defense, they're okay with giving up yards, but lock down in, on third down and, mm-hmm. and play sticky, scrappy football. So the third down conversions, you see the Bears and the Vikings struggle. I, I, I predict the same. And when you've got Zadarius Smith, who's tied for the league, or tied for the league in pressures yep, in the NFL yep. uh, with Khalil Mack, I believe. Uh, yep. and, and you just see what he does. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, this is such a different team. So many different playmakers. I'm glad you mentioned KC. I, we're seeing the breakout happen. Uh, you're seeing a D-tackle that creates that much movement, that much separation, and attacks the quarterback like that. That is a weapon that not a lot of teams have. And then you you pair that up with the edge guys of Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and that sticky secondary, you got a mm. great defense. So I'm okay with the yards. Yep. But you lock down on third down, you lock down in the red zone, and instead of a touchdown, it's a field goal. That That's the difference. And then you create turnovers. I'm okay with that. Oh, I'm yeah. Okay turnovers, with that. yes. So I, I I look at the Packers advancing. I, I don't like giving uh, score predictions. I did nope. in week one, and it felt weird when it was you, me, and Josh. And so... 
Maybe that's that whole thing on that superstitious, like, what jersey do I wear? If it feels right. weird, Nebels, <laughs> then don't do it. I hear you. I hear you. But I look at the Packers advance into 3-0. and Again, I would like to see Matt LaFleur be true to his word and saying that he learned from his mistakes and keep that tempo high. I'd yes. like to see that no-huddle, almost two-minute warning style of offense. And I'd like to see more and more of what we talked about in preseason and in this offseason is all these different base packages with different play calls. I want to see a little bit more creativity. I want to see him start to unveil a lot more of uh, the excitement that we had when we acquired Matt LaFleur as our, as our head coach. So a lot of great talking points on, I think, Aaron Jones. You continue to feed him. Our defense is going to be sticky. But again, we had to have Trubisky beat us. We had to have Cousins beat us. Again, I think it's going to be one of those things. Ken Flacco beat the Packers defense. I don't see that. So I see the Packers going to 3-0. and I would agree with that fully. And one thing to note, the Broncos have never won at Lambeau. And there you have it. And Rodgers is 12-2-1 in his last 15 games in Green Bay. So go Pack, go. Thank you so much for tuning in to pregame three, the Broncos. I'm your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Nebels. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit. The Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. <laughs>